if, if I had a title this morning, and I've been trying to take one, is The Way Back. I want to call this message The Way Back. Acts 16, 16 through 23. And it came to pass as we went to prayer. Now, as, as it came to pass, not as we went to worship, not as we went to hear the sermon, it, it came to pass that as we, notice this, Luke is making sure that he points out as he's writing this, that it wasn't just Paul and Silas going to prayer. It was the whole entourage that they didn't do anything. You couldn't have a position with them. Hello? Without being part of the prayer group. This is going to be a long sermon. Y'all better get with me or I'm going to start reading the book of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> and a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us. Now, let, let me read through this and then we'll pray. Which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The, uh, the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit. Notice how it wasn't the damsel, it was the Spirit. I want you to see that. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I commanded thee in the name of Jesus to come out of her, and he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers. And brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. Now, I want you to see something right there. The American church today, the, the cry that goes forth in the church today is, These men flow so well in our cities. We love our city councilmen love them. Our politicians love them. They, all they want to do, they don't want to trouble the city. They want to fit in with the city. Amen. I know what I'm talking about. You go to these pastor seminars now, and one of the thing is, is how you and the local government can work together. And listen, you might be all for that, but let me tell you something. You start mixing up with the politicians, you better be careful. Be careful, Jesus said, the leaven of the Pharisees. It'll get in you. And a little bit of that little saying it this way and saying it for this group and turning it. Church and politics don't mix, I'm telling you. Amen. Should there be believers in politics? Sure. Do I support good Christian values in politics? Absolutely. But preachers and politicians are two separate things. Amen. That your, your politicians should say, that evangel church is trouble in our city. I remember when they wanted to bring the bars into Gardendale. Gardendale First Baptist, all the city council kept saying, Gardendale First Baptist is disturbing our city. They won't let the bars come in. Yeah, there you go. That's what a church looks like. Right. Amen. So, did I give you, I, did I give you, yeah, through 23. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them. Father, we ask you for your blessing today. I pray, God, that you help me. Lord, I need you. God, I need you today. 
I love you, Lord. I pray that you stir a spirit of prayer back in the hearts of your believers, your precious people. Help us, Jesus. Amen. Acts 16, 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us. Now, that word divination is only used one time in the New Testament, and it means python. You can put that down. And what does python do? Jensen Franklin, years ago when I was in youth group, preached a sermon called the spirit of python. Maybe you've heard about it. Maybe you haven't. Well, this is the only time that we can find where he completely identifies the spirit. Instead of saying the, the spirit's fled or this, he says this is a python spirit. And you say, first of all, if you're new here, don't, I'm not one of those people that believe that there's demons behind every bush. The devil didn't make us do everything. A lot of times the devil don't even need to because whatever your flesh wants to do, if you'll do that, it'll bring death. He doesn't need your, he don't even have to help you. So, but I do believe that when a church makes up their mind to pray, they will find opposition. We, we felt like a while back that we should pray every night for a while. And I noticed something. I noticed that as we begin to pray every night, that it seemed like the warfare got intense. It seemed like the battle got intense. It seemed like there was something heavy on the people. Listen, that's what it's going to take in these last days. If this church is going to get where we want, we're going to have to get back to prayer. Right. Now, why Python? I'll tell you why Python. When the Python comes, he wraps himself. He does not strike his victim. He wraps himself around his victim. And every time the victim exhales, he tightens up more. And he won't let him suck air in. And he keeps on and constricts and constricts till he completely kills it. But it looks 100% fun. We come to church. And we look the part and we shout the part and we talk the part and we do, we bring our Bibles and we do everything. The devil could care less if you come here and he'll give you that form. He'll even let you think you're alive when you're dead. That spirit of Python will come on you. Today, I'm telling you, there's some of you that are going to get free today by the power of the Holy Spirit from Python. Your prayer meeting has not been there. You can't find to seem to talk to God. There's something that opposes you every time you pray. It's the spirit of Python. And the way you beat Python is through prayer. You recognize him, you identify him, and you attack him through prayer. You tell God, God, it's constricting me. God, it's, listen, every time a church wants to grow, Python shows up to try to constrict their growth, to try to keep them in the walls. And let me tell you what happens. I don't even care about my notes right now. I feel this. Let me tell you what happens to a church that Python's at. They begin to talk and criticize and become all about their self over their sorry, petty little things. And those things don't matter a hill of beans. Well, you know, I think we should do this. Did you pray about it? Well, no, I didn't. I was a good friend of mine, as I was, this sermon was just bubbling. He's, a, <laughs> he's the associate pastor at his church, and his dad's his pastor. And they were talking. He said, he told me, he said, isn't it funny how church people will celebrate the victories with you, but they'll blame the losses. He had no idea what I was stirring over. Stirring over. And I thought, yeah, what will happen is, is when the church is growing, everybody's a member at Evangel. We're so happy what God's doing. But when all of a sudden the dry season comes, it's everybody's fault 
Because, see, you can't just get away and say, you know what? That service was dry because I didn't pray this week like I should have. Oh, all of a sudden we're off the hook. All of a sudden when Python comes, we begin to criticize every little thing and nothing is done with prayer. If we really wanted things to move at this church, prayer would be the answer. You wouldn't be talking about it. You'd be praying about it. Because when we cry unto God, He will answer us. He will heal us. He will deliver us. If you ask Him today to break off the spirit of Python from your life, you'll breathe again. And you won't let petty little things that are going to destroy people's soul impact you because you will now have the breath of heaven and the view of heaven. Amen. God. God, help us how many little things in our life have cost people their souls. Yes. I'm really worried about our church. No, you're not. You're a gossip. You're not worried. If you're worried, you wouldn't be telling anybody but God. When prayer comes, you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And now you know, start moving heaven. I'm praying that everybody in this church gets miserable. I'm talking about uncomfortable. I'm talking about when you sit down at night, you feel the burden of Mount Olive and everybody that's going to hell. And you all of a sudden begin sick and tired of normal. So we came here. Head of Angel. He had a 19-year-old kid that had no idea what he was doing. That was just following and hanging on his coattails. And a man named Jim Canner who's sick that we need to pray for. And for six months, every night, we laid in here and called on God. A lot of you are here because God answered our prayers years ago. As we begin to pray, he began to orchestrate you here. You don't even know how you got here. How did it happen? I know how it happened. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and sing. Will humble themselves and preach. If they'll humble themselves and say, we can't do this, Lord. We don't even know how. Listen, I got the old youth Rolodex. I started calling all the old members. Some of y'all don't even know what a Rolodex is. <laughs> it's called contacts in your phone. <laughs> and I began to call old members. And I thought, man, I showed up the first night for youth service. I had called everybody. You know, everybody tells you they're coming to get you off the phone. You know that, right? Maybe you haven't been in ministry long enough to know that. But they're going to tell you they're coming to get you off the phone. Showed up. There was nobody. I did everything I knew how to do. And I said, Lord, I don't know how to grow a youth group. I don't have a clue how this is going to work at our church. I have no clue. We were singing Darlene Check CDs. We didn't have a worship team. Do you see how many people are, what, they're celebrating birthdays and people are sick. There are four people off the praise team today and it didn't miss a beat. I remember when we were like, we're singing CDs and we're praying and we're seeking God. And, and God, here, let me tell you the craziest thing. God was moving. And I got so discouraged, I drove that Wednesday night and I sat in my old youth group. And I heard they had, they called it the upper room. 
And man, it was bouncing. There were kids everywhere and they were worshiping and they were going after it. And I sat there and cried and I said, God, what have you called me to? And he spoke to me and said, I don't want you to ever go back there. This is where I have you and I'll bless you. And all of a sudden, people started coming in. I met an old friend named Adam Lash, who I hadn't seen in a couple of years. And all of a sudden, me and him got to talking. He said, well, J.D., if you're there, I'm going to support you. And guess what he did? He made all his friends, saved or non-saved, you're coming to support my buddy. I'll never forget it. The first time we had double tables back there, we had pizza for him, and I got to preach to like 16 people my first time. Why? Because Adam Lash did something. Was it Adam Lash? No, it was God. He had lined it up. We had known each other since we were born. God was already working. And I'm telling you something, you might not be that interested in that now, but when there's only 23 people and every time the, the bills came due, you had to get on your face and seek God and people would bring money that you didn't even know was coming at this church. Man, I'm telling you, it was a blessed time. And then I begin to think about the youth group grew. And I, I look at Hoss and think about some of us. We would sit here for hours in the sanctuary and we would pray and we would seek God for hours and hours. People even said we were a cult. I loved it. What an accusation. They're a cult. They're always up at that church. They weren't here for each other. They, we were here for God. Amen? Amen? Why am I telling you all this? If we're going to go to the next level, we have to have that spirit of prayer again. Even if you can't make it here, you have not because you ask not. Amen? I want to show you a few more scriptures. There's so many things I thought about that God did here over those years to start out. There's so many things. There's so many people he connected with. So many people he brought in. So many people he healed. A guy from Teen Challenge was here with his dad who had prostate cancer. He was going in Monday to be operated on. We prayed for him right there. He went. They opened him up. They closed him back up and said, there is absolutely no cancer in your body. Scanned it. Amen. Listen, that is exciting. Unless you're me, and maybe hopefully some of you, Looking back is okay, but I'm one of those people like, what about now, Lord? That's great. I'm, I'm thankful for that touch. But there are so many people with cancer today that need to find that same power. Amen? A couple of things on prayer, I'm gonna, and I, I promise I'm going to let you go. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now that right there is a sermon if I've ever heard one. Jesus is coming back. You better not get out of balance. You better stay grounded and moderate. But look at this. Be careful. And the word careful there, the real translation there is anxious. Anxiety. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication. And you can't just whine to God about every problem. You got to do it with thanksgiving. Remembering how good he is. Amen. Let your requests be made known unto God. 
And the peace of God, which passes understanding, shall keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Now listen, I look at a generation that is so filled with anxiety and worry and stress, even in the church. The answer, when I was praying over this, I don't know who you are today that you need to hear this, but I'm telling you, this wasn't part of the original sermon. If you are going through anxiety, and if you are going through, there is a God of peace. You can't just quote the scripture, oh, the God, the peace that passes understanding. No, 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 you got to get the first part. You got to go to God and say, I can't figure it out. I can't, I'll, all I'll do is worry about it. It'll eat me alive, but I'm going to give it to you because you do care and you've been faithful and I'm going to talk to you about it. God, this bothers me. God, my family's not saved and it bothers me. God, I want you to understand that I hate the fact that when we come here, that we don't feel that Shekinah power that we used to feel. It bothers me. I'm not talking about it to anybody, but you and I'm casting it on you and I'm not worried about this church. I'm not worried about the growth of this church. I'm giving it to you. And then the peace of God. Because you know now it's in his hands. Well, I've done all I can do. I raised little Johnny Wright. I dedicated him to the Lord. I've done all I can do. Really? Really? No, no, no. You can go put little Johnny back in the hands of Jesus through prayer. You can say, God, this is my petition. And I know you hear me. You promised that me and my household shall be saved. I'm standing on it. Now this ain't in the notes, but let me tell you something. The reason that prayer and Bible reading go hand in hand, God gives us magnificent promises but they are given to you so that you can pray them back to God. Not because he needs to hear them, because you need to hear them. Amen. Amen. There, you can't really even pray if you're not praying the word of God. God, you promised me in my household. And I'm going to rest in peace because you're going to do it. Amen. You know how many pews would be filled today if the households would get saved? I wouldn't care where they went to church. I know we ain't going to get them all. I don't even want to get them all. I want who God's got. And if they need to go to Mount Olive First Baptist and bless them, then praise God for them. I'm telling you, you'll start to see this stuff with Syria and all this start to come down the pipe. These denominational ties are going to start to blur. It's going to be the body of Christ. You just watch and hang on. I know everybody's saying peace and safety right now. I, I get it. But you better listen to me. Isaiah 17, 1. Damascus is the oldest city in the world that has never been brought down and destroyed. Isn't it funny that the fighting is around Syria right now? Now, how long ago did Isaiah prophesy that it would be destroyed before the coming of the Lord? It's coming. Like that little game we used to play, count to 100, ready or not, here I come. We are watching this stuff unfold. It, 20 years ago, if you would have told them Isaiah 17, 1, people would have said, there's no fighting in Syria. I mean, it's not a big deal. Damascus is not really even a point of interest. Look at it now. He's, he's trying to get us ready, church. If you're going through anxiety today, the answer is not anything but to cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. 
and that peace. Listen, that doesn't say the trial is not, wouldn't make a normal person anxious. It says the peace of God that passes your understanding. I don't even know why I'm at peace, but I am. That's what kind of peace God wants to give you. Amen. I want to read just a few more scriptures. Exodus 33, 9 through 11. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillow standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. He wasn't going to the tabernacle of meetings. Verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaks unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. So Moses, Moses, after he finished talking, he left the tabernacle to go back to the people. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Listen to me. If we're not careful, Joshua could have said all these things he should have been doing. He was a man of battle. He was, he, I should be talking to the soldiers. I should be getting the battle plans for what's happened. We should be figuring out what our next move is. He had all these reasons that to him would have been legit, but he chose to stay at the tabernacle. He chose to stay around prayer. That's why when the reports came, he didn't give an evil report which said God can't do it. He gave a report that said, man, I've been with God. All things are possible with God. God will give us this. These people are bread for us. We're not grasshoppers to them. They're bread to our God. And that's the difference in everybody's life today. Either we're going to stand at our door and tremble and say, well, that was a good move at Evangel. Well, that was nice. Listen, I've been in it long enough now to know there's some people that just like the Pentecostal spectatorship they sit at their door and say yeah that was good that was good I just want to watch God move I don't want to get down there in and that might get a hold of me yeah he'll get a hold of you all right with power and might and there'll be something inside of you listen to me I know what I'm talking about God's calling us today to be Joshua's. I don't care how busy your life is. You can be in your car and be right there in the presence because of Jesus Christ now. We don't have to go to the tent of meetings. He's with us now. Joshua's priority was prayer. I've been guilty, Brother Hank, I'll be honest, thinking about what we could do to improve this church and what we could do to get growth and what we could do and all this strategy. And I looked back and thought, we didn't do any of that when we grew. We just laid at the tent of tabernacles, the tent of meetings. We just sat with the Lord. And the more we got with the Lord, the more he showed up in the meeting. And the more he shows up in the meeting, the more people go tell their friends about it. That's how Brooklyn Tabernacle grew. The pastor said, I realized it wasn't me. Never has been me. It's never been any of us. People encounter Jesus here. Amen. When I asked the Lord, how do we grow a youth group? I have no clue. He said, don't play games. Don't play games on Wednesday night. When they come in here, you give them Jesus. They're coming from divorced families. They're coming from brokenness. Give them Jesus. Give them Jesus. I remember, and this might not mean anything to you, but when God started first moving here, I had no, I still don't have an idea what I'm doing, if you want to be honest with you. Just kind of follow the Lord. But I really didn't have an idea then. 
I got a call on Monday morning after a great Sunday night service, and the power of God fell and said, uh, this is a, the principal so-and-so from Fultonville High School. Um, we had our first priority meeting this morning, and uh, a couple of your girls from church started laying hands on people because they needed the, the power. And those people they laid hands on, they didn't even go to Pentecostal churches, but the power of God showed up, they say. That's how he said they say. And these girls are laying in the floor, and I don't know what to do with them. And I said, I don't either. <laughs> Let them be. He said, well, the classes, classes have already started, and they're in there crying and playing, and their lips are moving weird. And I said, yeah. So I said, well, I don't know what to tell you. And he was like, you can't come up here? I was like, I'm at a place where I can't come up there. I was like, I'd let it ride. And he said, well, okay. So I asked the girls Wednesday night what happened. Little girl jumped up and said, and they said, do y'all have any needs? And she prayed for her mom. And they gathered around and began to pray for her. And the power of God came into that school. And that girl who didn't even know anything about falling out or any of that stuff, the power of God came and gave that peace that I'm talking about today. If we'll get serious about this thing, God's got things for us that are so outside of the norm of church. That's the problems that our leadership should be dealing with. Not all this squawking and balking and all this little petty stuff. They should be dealing with the problems of, hey, um, our widows are being neglected. You've grown so big. You've got to figure out what we're going to do with this move of God. But you get a people that aren't praying, boy. You'll get Moses striking that rock real quick. Everybody's like, well, Moses failed God. Really? Moses failed God? Really? better read that story he finally got so mad he disobeyed God why because the people at one place I, if you should read it it's a, it's amazing at one place he says God you made me the father of a millions of these people kill me read it his next line kill me they dropped about every little thing God's dropping down hot fudge Sundays from the sky and they're starting to, they don't have to do anything. You have to go pick it up and eat it. Amen. <laughs> kind of like some of this church services. We prepare it for you with prayer. You didn't do anything but come with your buffet towel on and eat. And you're gripping about that. I don't know why God's not moving in the services. I do. Your Saturday night, you didn't pray. You did what you wanted to do and expected to come here and get something you didn't pay for. Amen. Because, see, when God started moving here in the beginning, our Saturdays were sacred because our Saturday nights, we meant we got to be ready for what's happening Sunday. Church was our life. You say, well, that's weird. No, no, no. He's our life. But what He does in church becomes everything to you when you've got the spirit of prayer. You want to get a minister smacking rocks? Start gripping and complaining over the littlest things, smallest things. Well, that's a big deal to me. It's not a big deal to anybody but you. It's not about the whole. And all of a sudden you've got a minister smacking rocks. Amen. I'm okay with it. I've been preaching long enough. I don't care if you amen me. My conscience will be clear before God. 
I will sit in my recliner tonight and say, God, I'm believing that you stir the people. Now, I want to tell you something. She's going to kill me, and I don't care. She had no idea this week what I was preaching on. And she texted me this week coming home from work and said, hey, I need to stop by the church. And I thought she was participating in the sparkle or whatever was going on out there. Or sparkling or whatever that is. She had some diapers or something. And when she got home, I said, what, what are you, where were you? She said, I just felt like I needed to go back to the church and start praying. And I thought, God, you're doing something. You're getting us back to prayer. You're getting us back where we sit. Listen, I want to show you this last thing. I'm just trying to make sure. I sat down last week and said, God, there was so much you gave me I didn't say. Look at Ezekiel 36. And this will be my last scripture. It says, and then the heathen that are left around about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places. And I plant that was desolate, and I, the Lord, have spoken it. And we'll look at this. I will do it. Yes. Now listen. Hang on. Everybody loves this. Nobody but God is responsible now. No ownership of that scripture. God's going to do it. He's going to build us. It's all God. He spoke it. He did it. It's all on him. Nothing on me. My first year at Evangel, God showed me this next scripture. And I haven't thought about it in years. And he reminded me of it. I pray today you get this with me. Look at the next scripture, 37. But thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them with men like a flock. As a holy flock, as the flock of Jerusalem. Listen to me. Verse 37. Put it back up. God says, I'm going to build you and I'm going to do it. And then he says, and by the way, though, you're going to have to inquire for it. You can't just say, yeah, God's going to do it and I'm off the hook. I'm telling you, this is what God spoke to me when we wanted to grow and we were seeking him. He gave me this nugget. I've never read it before. And I, wanna, I want you to see what that word inquired really means in the Hebrew. It means to frequent a place, to seek with care, to require, and it says to resort to. God said, if you're going to grow, Evangel, I will grow this church. I will bless this place. He already has blessed this place. But he said, I'm going to have a stipulation to it. If you want it, you can have it. And I remember for so many years as we grew up, I prayed, God, increase us with men like the flocks. Because you told us, if I would ask you, you would do it. You can put it down. If you really want to see this church grow evangel, God is saying to you today, ask him for it. Inquire for it. It says visit often. Visit frequently. When you're driving down the road, God, you got to do it. God, you said you would increase us with men like the flocks and we would grow and we would break out on the right hand and on the left hand. You would say to the north, give up. And you would say to the south, keep not back. You'll bring your children from the east and the west. If we're not praying those scriptures, why do we think God would move? Now you see, when we quoted the first scripture about God, said, I'm going to do whatever. Oh, bless you, Jesus. It's all your responsibility, God. Then 37 comes in the places like a church, quiet as a church mouse. Oh, you mean I got to do something. If we want it, 
You got to pray it. You got to seek him. You got to ask. I want people to get saved in this revival, but I want more than that. I want God's people that are here to be revived. I want them to pray again. Listen to me, and I know I, I told God I'm not going to become just a Baptistical church where we don't talk about Pentecostal stuff. We're Pentecostal, and I'm not ashamed of it. And I thank God for my prayer language. And that doesn't mean we act like a bunch of morons. He wrote the first Corinthians just to settle all that. Everything's got to be done decently in order. Just because you're Pentecostal doesn't make you weird. It actually makes you biblical. If done biblically. But I want the church again to have their prayer language back. Some people only pray in tongues when they're in the altar. That is absurd. God did not fill you with a prayer language so that you could just pray at the altar one Sunday a week. He gave you a prayer. He said, we don't even know how we pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself prays the will of God through us. Some of you are fighting battles, and I begin to pray in tongues, or other ministers begin to pray in tongues, and your face pops in front of us, and we don't even know what's going on, but we know the Spirit of God is praying victory for you and encouragement for you because the Holy Spirit is always mindful of His people. What's weird? No, 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 no. People have made it weird because they don't want you to experience it. Yes, people abuse it. I grew up with people abusing it my whole life. But that don't mean because somebody abuses it that it ain't real. You know, they're talking now about taking away tongues are not the initial physical evidence of being filled with the Spirit. They're always trying to push down everything God has. Well, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Will you pray in tongues? No, no, you're not. Well, how do you tell me that? The Word of God tells you that. Well, I don't believe that. I don't care what you believe. I know what the Bible says. Some of you might leave today and not come back. I'm okay with it. I'll have peace again. Because I'm preaching you the truth out of love. You're missing part of your Christian experience if you can't pray in the Holy Spirit. If you don't believe it's for you, you won't even be seeking for Him. Now see, this message right here, everybody's cool with me preaching on prayer and all that. When we get to here, some people are like, well, I don't know, this is kind of theologically weird. It's nothing theologically weird. It's the absolute Bible. You cannot deny the first church was a Pentecostal church. And if you know anything about God, why would he start something one way and end it another way? Like I said, I want us to be Pentecostal again. I want people to hear messages like this and say, I don't even understand what he's talking about. Good. Go get your Bible out and figure it out. Good. I had a friend that was, he was growing up Baptist. He, and listen, I want you to know something. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you love every denomination, every people. People that don't love people, they don't have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit tears down denominational walls. You know what the Baptist started to realize? I heard a Baptist guy. Roy took me to hear him. He told them, we will close our doors if we don't get that move of God in our services again. I was like, whoa. He said, we are declining. So my buddy told me, I don't believe in Pentecost. He said, I got the Holy Ghost when I got saved. And I said, fine. And I said, he said, so give me some scriptures. I said, no, no, no. I want you to take the book of Acts. And I want you and the Holy Spirit and the Lord to get along with it, and I want you to read it. And I want you to tell me that every time, they, every time the Spirit fell, what happened? 
And he began to pray. And he began to seek God. And I'll never forget, he couldn't receive the baptism and he was so hungry for it because God had showed him, not a man. And the Holy Spirit showed him something. He said, you've got bitterness for your dad, at your dad. His dad abandoned him as a kid. And he said, you've got to forgive your dad. The night he, he said, God, I forgive my dad is the night that God wonderfully filled him with the Holy Spirit. Listen, he's about 6'6". Six, six. He also didn't believe in people falling out under the power. And the guy's hand got about this close to him. If you know my friend, he ain't going to courtesy drop for nobody. He was, mom shaking his head, no, it was real. And his hand got about right here to him, and he never even buckled. He went back like a tree, six foot six of him, and he fell out and began to pray in tongues, and he laid there. And when he got up, I said, is it real? And he began to laugh, and tears flowed down his eyes. Listen, this is not weird. You have to do what Peter did on the day of Pentecost. They think they're drunk and they're spilling over and they're praying in tongues in the streets and they're like, we see these guys speaking in our language. What's going on? Peter stood up is what has, needs to happen in churches and says, this is what's happening. Joel said it was going to happen this way and this is what was prophesied and now you understand this is not weird. This is Bible. A lot of churches I've been in, people start dancing and springing around and doing all these weird things. Nobody gets up and tells the people, tongues are actually a sign to the unbeliever. But what's happening in the American church is we say, man, tongues will drop people away. No, 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 you've missed it. Tongues will drop people to Christ, the power of God. Some of you are like, I'll never be back to that place. Listen to me. Your prayer language is so important. So, you ever just been in your car somewhere, tried to pray, and nothing comes out? Okay, maybe just me. And you're like, I'm going to try to pray. And you start to pray, and you're like, dear God. And then you're like, did I pick up my dry cleaning? I need to go by Publix and get some steamed shrimp. I need... Ever happened to anybody but me? When I start to feel that oppression... That's when I pray in the Spirit. I ask the Holy Spirit to begin to pray through me in my car. And all of a sudden, He gives you insight that you didn't have before. He gives you wisdom. Listen, I'll tell you what else He does. He gives you compassion for people. Where you don't understand where they're coming from, when you get in the Spirit and He baptizes you in the love of God, you begin to understand where people are coming from. And all of a sudden, you can't be as critical when you actually are filled with love. Amen. Everybody stand with me.